This war represents a failure to listen. Release your anger. Only your hatred can destroy me. Something terrible has happened. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Anger, fear, aggression. The dark side of force are there. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to. No, no, you're still holding on! Let go! Biggest problem in this universe is nobody helps each other. That's how we're gonna win. Not fighting what we hate. Saving what we love. Hello, and welcome to Who Shot First, your Star Wars controversy podcast. I'm your host, Alex. And I'm your other host, Ethan. And I'm special correspondent, Sarah. And today we have a very special guest, and I'll let him introduce himself. We have... Uh, my name is Andres. I am one of four co-hosts of Sithy Minutes, which is a political and Star Wars podcast like peanut butter and jelly. Oh, yes, absolutely. So we connected through Twitter, which is fantastic. And we met through the, I believe, no, we met through, we, we started following each other earlier, but connected a lot more with the unwhitewash, the Bad Batch yeah. tag and all that jazz. So that is our topic for today. We get to, we get to discuss all those wonderful things. But before we get into that, um, Andres, would you like to give us a little intro on your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially the four of us had kind of gotten tired uh, post-sequel trilogy of folks just being like, hey, like Star Wars was great until it got super political. Like, you know, the First Order is just so Nazi-ish and da-da-da-da-da. And people just having all sorts of feelings on either direction of like, oh, the First Order is way too fascist. And like some people struggle, you know, getting close to Kylo Ren because of that or Ben Solo. And then you'd hear it on the other side as well, where folks would be like, oh my God, like I was all down with Star Wars until Rey ended up being the chosen one. Some people hated that Finn was even on the poster of, of Force Awakens. So for yeah. me, as that was happening, I was like, oh, sweet, new Star Wars, immediately followed by like people just having all sorts of garbage emotions about a black man holding a lightsaber on a still image, like yep, no yep. context, just him holding a lightsaber. It's like that could have been Jabba with like the Skywalker saber and like he just found it and it's like, oh, find out the journey on whatever. But no, just people had all sorts of feelings. So by the end of Rise of Skywalker, the four of us were just like, look, this thing has been political. You can find interviews of George Lucas in the 70s being like, I hate the Vietnam War. Like the rebels are based off the Viet Cong. It's documented. Like you can buy books and read that paragraph and have a citation if you so wanted to. So we were like, hey, let's let's go there. Like there are so many times that history repeats itself and this franchise is built off of those iconic moments that continually just seem to repeat themselves. Like episode three felt like a historical, you know, hindsight of, of Nazi Germany. And then 2016 through 2020 rolls around and people are like willingly signing up for just the wildest policies with like a grin on their face and, you know, happily marching down that path. So it was like, okay, this is strange to live by, but you could watch episode three and be like, there's hope. There's there's things to move on beyond that, even though those events happen. So that, that's the crux of it. We take week to week news and apply that Star Wars filter. And if there's situations that overlap, we dig into it. Awesome. We actually dug into a little bit of that with the uh, Afghanistan and Iraq war with uh, episode three. We talked about that, of the politics and how that was controversial at the time. So, yeah, that was 
That's really good. And I've listened to, to your podcast and it's really, really fascinating. So we're really glad to have you on. Yeah. Pleasure to be on here. I, through Twitter, when we were interacting, it was very much like, I'm so happy that like, we love to stoke this flame of like, no, let's, let's talk about controversies. Cause yeah, we have, we have enough like Luke rankings to, you know, fill multiple accounts with. So it's like, this is something fresh. Like let's, let's go there. For sure. So this controversy started because the controversy is unwhitewashed the bad batch. And basically Andres, would you like to explain the, the controversy or would you like me to? I mean, I can definitely do broad strokes and then. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just as, kind of describe what is it. And we'll, we'll dive into it. But of what yeah. what people are upset about. Yes. Yeah. So essentially from like the first as the trailer and everything kind of played out, it was apparent from the jump that it, as clones of Tamora Morrison, Jenko Fett, these the features of the clones were not at all accurate like to the person and if we're going to take the technology of cloning and focus on it the the general premise as outlined in attack of the clones is you can take a person and just kind of photocopy them along with their skills and assets so we're told that the bad batch are this unique set of super soldiers that have certain traits enhanced which is what makes them unique but Besides that, as you look at them, you realize that they are fundamentally different people than the the template they're based off of. So the the argument is you, you know, you mean to tell me that uh, tech, for example, the only thing they changed about him was intelligence and just like crank that up to 100. And somehow in the process of doing that, the hairline became different, the jaw structure, the nose is different. So it's like, it creates this implication that like by changing the intelligence, this clone became more closer to essentially a, a, a white person. So I like to call him the uh, Nordstrom shift manager. Like he just looks like he's yeah. like a oh, yeah. middle manager kind of somewhere in there. But yeah, it's, you know, you go through the list with like crosshair. Coincidentally, the only one who maintains a similar version of a, of like Tamora Morrison skin tone and like accurate aging of the skin is Wrecker, who from episode one is like, hey, the, the big dumb muscle guy with a heart of gold just happens to look a lot like Tamora Morrison and just closer to the template. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of stereotypes that are kind of, you know, put into that both from the genetic side and then also the only clone that happens to share that skin tone just also happens to be dumb muscle so it's it started from there the writing you know didn't there were times where it shown and then there were times where um i think the episode where rex shows up i literally like threw my phone onto my carpeted floor <laughs> i knew nothing would happen but when Wrecker, like Omega asks why they trust Rex and Wrecker's response is, oh, he's he's one of the good ones. Come here, Rex. <laughs> yeah, good to see you too, Wrecker. I thought you didn't like the rigs. This one we like. Oh, like, yeah. I'm done. I'm done. Like, you can't have the brown man look at, like, one of the, the regs, as Crosshair would call them, um, yeah. and be like, we like this reg. It's like, oh, like, this is their black friend, but it's it's Rex. So yeah, that's that's the broad stroke. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm kind of done with this show. I'll watch it for canon purposes, but like, that's it. I'm not going to remember lines or whatever. Yep. Oh, very much agree. Okay, so we can dive in. I got a bad feeling about this. The biggest piece for me has always been how they have changed the clone, like how they changed them. So they're 
they're all different, but we, they made them look more, they're, they're designed after white actors. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, it's like Sylvester Stallone. For Sylvester hunting. Stallone is Hunter. Yep. Sylvester Stallone is Hunter. Clint Eastwood is Crosshair. And it's, it's just like, again, you look at those kind of things and it's just frustrating looking at that. And you, because again, you look at, you look at tomorrow Morrison and you're like, he doesn't look like any of these people. He doesn't, he just doesn't. And yeah. you're struggling to, and like, as I've done research and stuff like that, like Star Wars has a representation problem all over the place. And so this is a spot where you can fix that or not necessarily fix it, but like keep it going. Cause I, I feel like during the Clone Wars, they sort of kept most of that okay. There, I will say, I will bring up, I have still have a problem with, I think they had a chance here to redirect where they were going with D. Bradley Baker. I think they could have gotten a different voice actor or actors in to not have a white person voicing all of these people of color. I think this was the perfect spot to do it because while yes, I will go back and say whatever argument you want to do of in the past, well, there wasn't anybody around or whatever. I don't necessarily believe that, but I'm like, okay, fine. Season Clone Wars, you're okay. You don't want to replace him in season, but this was a perfect spot where you could just replace him and put either five new characters or somebody else in it. Yeah. And so I have a, I have a question for you. So I have found, I don't know if you've heard, Sam Witwer has actually commented on people of color and like Native Americans, specifically it was Native Americans, voice acting. Have you heard anything about this? No. Okay, so he did an AMA on, on Reddit and he did a, a, a game, Days Gone Actor. So, he's for, so the video game Days Gone, there are some Native American people in there but there are not native american voices they are white voices and he was at, so he was asked during the ma the question was why won't studios hire natives when they want voices of characters for characters to speak with an accent his answer was because casting out of various cities and then flying that talent to la is cost prohibitive also, most people with the most acting experience in the States are either in New York or Los Angeles. If native speakers can be found, they find it. If not, they get what you get. So there you go. You know, chicken and egg, where it's just like, oh, the, the pipeline's not there. But in New York and L.A., there's a lot of people who can't afford to live there, let alone like adding the native like filter and lens through that. And just also like we we talked about on our on one of our episodes around like infrastructure in in this country and it's like we learned from last year that we can do a lot from home there's quite a bit that we can still maintain um without ever stepping foot outside of our door but it requires like internet connection and i don't know if you folks have ever like been out on a reservation but like they're essentially is not very much of anything um, as far as like connection and infrastructure to that. So, you know, it's like you could do voice acting. Absolutely. Case in point, literally the Bad Batch was a, a lot of it was developed with folks kind of passing the baton um, digitally. Um, so it could be found. It's just the question is it's choices are made, right? right. Like, and, and there's a vested interest in some choices over others and 
you know, that's what PR firms are for. Like, oh yeah, we, you know how expensive it is and how harmful it is to the environment to fly someone to LA for a recording session. It's like, yeah, it is. We, we could just invest in better infrastructure for those folks, but you're right. It is expensive to fly them halfway across the country. I would think doing voice, if you were doing voice work, you could do that remotely potentially, but I guess obviously maybe not if they don't have access to the equipment, but yeah, it seems like I mean, something you wouldn't necessarily have to fly across the country to do, but you yeah. don't. It's like the, the hardest thing would just be sending the file at the end of the day. Right. Cause I, cause that is a thing that was brought up in the bad batch is that again, I don't know names, but the actress who did Hera, do you know her name? Uh, Vanessa Marshall. Vanessa Marshall famously has stated that she did all of her voice acting from home right. for, for the Bad Batch. And this and so to give context, this wasn't just a random interview of he didn't do this five years ago. He literally did this last year. Right. So it was during during the pandemic and everything when we're realizing, oh, you can do things from home. But so, yes, I very much agree. I think it is a choice that people do, and then they try to explain it in other ways mm-hmm. through – oh, it's too expensive to get people out and they do their best. Yeah, yeah. And it it's funny, like, even how it showed itself in the this first season, because even when we did our episode on it, we didn't know what Omega's story was. Like, we were kind of reacting to, I think, maybe the first and second episode. Yep. Uh, so it was very much like, okay, we don't know what, like, if Omega is altered with other DNA or something else is going on, but sorry, spoilers for folks who haven't seen it oh, yet, yeah. but uh, she's an unaltered Django fat clone. So like literally fo- like copy and paste it. So she should have been like a, like a female young, oh, the actor that played young Boba in Attack of the Clones. Daniel, like, I, I can't remember his last Daniel name. Daniel Logan? Yes. Aha, see, teamwork. There we um, go. But yeah, I was like, oh, then Daniel Logan should have been the template for that because Django, it's it's literally a line in the film. Like the only thing Django Fett demanded was an unaltered, normal aging child of his DNA and called him Boba. And that was, that was it. Apart from his pay, which is considerable, Fett demanded only one thing, an unaltered clone for himself. Curious, isn't it? Unaltered. Pure genetic replication. No tampering with the structure to make it more docile and no growth acceleration. So like that was a a twist for me. I was like, okay. so the whole time people were arguing like, oh, like, you know, the the bad batch are they look that way because they're like mixed DNA or it's like it's altered and it stretched them or this, that and the other. And it's like, okay, well, then here's you know, blonde haired, blue eyed Omega, who her hunter keeps treating like a damsel in distress. And then like, it comes out like, oh, the thing that makes her special isn't a genetic mutation. It's that she is unaltered. And it's like, okay, sure. Fine. <laughs> and that's something that I still don't understand. I don't, is that what makes her special? Is that like what, cause I still can't figure it out. And that's what a thing that I, I get, I've been frustrated with this whole season is I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where <laughs> they're going. I don't like, yeah. is that what she, her special trait is, is that she's unaltered. And I'm just like, I guess that's it. But then what's the point? Why is she blonde? Yeah. She's straight blonde. And I, and again, I will 
to bring up the counter argument, which is, again, I will say dumb, but of like, Tamar Morrison's sister was blonde. And I'm okay, that's fine. Maybe she was, but he's, she's an unaltered clone. If right. you are, if brother and sister are different DNA, you, you have, you're related, but you're still different. Like why, right. why are you, yeah. Well, and that's one of the things I really struggle when they say Omega is an unaltered clone because they keep saying she's female. So by definition, she's altered to have, you know, the female chromosomes. And right. so that's where I'm just like, we're just perpetuating this oxymoron and like, that's not how that works. And I mean, unless she's transgender, which I don't think Disney intends to do, but <laughs> you know, until we're proven otherwise, I'm, I'm all on the Omega transgender train. We, we talked about that a little bit about how that's kind of the only thing like Disney would never ever is not at that point yet of, of, of saying that, but that's kind of the only thing that really would make sense um, if she's a female unaltered clone of Django Fett. Right, right. You know, from the studio that brought you two women kissing in the back of Rise of Skywalker. And then removed <laughs> the it. Western cuts. Yeah, yeah. only only in the Western cuts of the film. Yeah, I don't think they were ready for that. But yeah, they and like, I think what they're going for is like, she is still a, a clone of Jango Fett, who is a Mandalorian, who is well-trained in his arts and, and just by Boba's legacy and his name, like has continued that. So, you know, that's the other part of me that I'm like, missed opportunity. Like we're, we spent all this time trying to figure out what makes them special. And it's like, you could have told us that they were just like an aspect of Mandalorian culture, just hyper intensified, right? So like Wrecker's all about show of fours, Crosshair is all about these prisons precision shots like one of them can have a jetpack whatever you just do the whole thing because when you see omega that's essentially the argument right like she's a little bit of all of them because she's unaltered and as a you know a copy of a mandalorian warrior like there are, are genetic instincts and stuff where she can take advantage of all of those different traits but they can't touch it and they don't address it because you know you can't even start that conversation without having them vocalize that they're Mandalorians instead of just having them look like Tamar Morrison and be like, Hey, you, you saw Tem and Mando just out here kicking ass. So it could just be like, here it is an animated form. Right. And like, no one would have missed a beat. You could have dropped in some Mandalorian terms or whatever. Like maybe someone recognizes the bad batch in an episode as like they mistake them. So they think that they're found out. And then they're like, Oh, Boba, like what brings you out here? Weren't you doing some other job? And they realize like, they belong to something else or there there could be another future you know like that would be a, a dope second season of them figuring out like okay so we're cloned from someone like let's see what their story is and what culture part of the galaxy they fit in because it ain't the republic for them anymore but couldn't touch any of it and then you have omega who's just like she's incredible because she's unaltered and you would have to be a fan and do that legwork to be like do they mean to imply that she's like a, a natural Mandalorian essentially, but we don't know. <laughs> so I, I wonder how do you feel? Cause I know I'm, I get enraged about it, but I'm, I'm as a, a white man, like, how do you feel about when, because with the argument, it's all, Oh, it's lighting. It's the lighting. That's the problem. And, and it's not, and it's, it's high end. Do you know how hard it is to animate people? And so you're like, okay, that's, that's your argument. 
But then when you have fans fan casting all of these different people of color, basically as white actors, when we see them in live, live action, how do you feel about that? Like, uh, that just, that bugs me. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the important thing to like to center in the argument of like what whitewashing does is it makes these it is that nudge that makes those leaps more believable. Right. Like and it happens subtly. Like, I think that's the other thing that gets lost in in the argument when people are are discussing like this is it is an accusation essentially of being pointed like having something pointed out to you and not necessarily doing anything about it. Like we don't know what season two will look like yet. Here's hoping, but yeah, it's like, these are small choices that are made and it needs to be stopped in the the little ways because those, those things ripple out. Right. The other piece is it's, it's intentional in the sense of like, this is all part of a, a corporate mega structure right like let's not forget disney bought this for four billion dollars and they're they already made their money back but now it's just like it's a runaway train so they did animate black people they can animate all sorts of aliens like they can do all sorts of wonky stuff um with the tools that they have now so it's it's a choice it's a choice that people are making but it's easier to sell those toys it's easier to market uh those lego sets right like it's you know we can pull up articles of just like even shang chi right like coming out in marvel and after the whole fiasco with a uh, black widow Ke- kevin feige being like oh yeah it'll just be out in theaters and it's going to be an experiment okay in the fall when everyone we literally just had the my fall plans and the delta variant meme trending for like a week and it's going to be the first asian movie that you're going to be like yeah let's let's keep that one in theaters okay sure uh, that's that's a choice but they didn't do that for <laughs> some other films that have come out like even you know just other disney films so it's like yep. there are yep. other strategies but it's interesting what gets put effort into and like what doesn't and people just kind of like explain away but you know if those models didn't have those hairlines and jaw structures and someone posted a picture of sylvester stallone next to hunter like fans and and like the fandom mechanism would instinctually kick in and be like no like the tia sakar with uh the casting in in ahsoka where disney's like looking for someone and the entire fandom was just like hello like there you have the perfect person there like that is because of the way sabine was animated and the voice and like how the the interviews and and seeing that relationship versus what we had in the bad batch where it's like well they look like them and deep bradley baker's always voiced them so it could be anyone and it just opens the door for that conversation where now it's you're on the outside looking in if you're like well i look closer to that person than other folks and i would I think that there could be other actors that could fill that role. You're now in the outlying position. Yeah. I, I also wonder, like, from a cosplaying perspective, how that kind of impacts things. Um, I know for me, like, as I as we do this podcast more, like, we're always thinking about Des is building a, a Mama Lorian uh, outfit. I have, like, a Grand Moff rank hanging around somewhere. But, like, we we don't see ourselves in media a lot. To begin with let alone in star wars right, um, right. So it's like the closest people i could probably pull off without anyone being like uh technically you're not that person but sure would be like finn 
And then I guess Wrecker if I like shaved my head, which is fine, but I'm more of a tech personally. <laughs> I thought it was, I mean, and two, just a, a couple of those in the first couple episodes, the only, one of the only characters of color were you know, instantly these, these bad guys who, you know, started burning civilians, you know, and it's just like, geez, like, is that, that's the only light they, that they were, that they shined in was, was doing something traumatic. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. And, and the Imperial who has the change of heart near the end of that episode is uh, one of the white guys. Yeah. So he's the one who's like, is this worth food and security and da da da? Like, what are we doing? And then Crosshair takes him out. I'm like, great. But the black woman and the Asian woman was like, nah, we're fine. We're fine. We or they, are. they were, yeah, they were down for it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we, we brought that up. And like, there's other stuff like, cause with the, the unwhite Watts bad bash movement, I know the, the movement has been started or not, not necessarily started, but amplified massively from a Twitter user named clone hub. And through, through Tumblr has created a card that I know you and I have both referenced quite a bit that explains everything of why things are going are wrong and need to be changed. And it pointed out a bunch of different things to, to me. Um, for instance, the anti-Semitism. I will say for straight up, I did not, as, as I'm not a Jewish person, and so I did not realize that. But once I saw that card and looked at that, I was like, oh my gosh, this actually does kind of push that there's there's some anti-Semitism here with with the character of- Sid. Sid, yeah. Sid. Like Sid. Yeah, like there's there's some anti-Semitism here. They're, like she has that raspy- New York Jewish accent. She's willing to sell people down the river. Like I, the actress who plays her Jewish. That is another piece. Yes. Married to Danny DeVito. And she has outlined in interviews of like her children will get to choose whatever religion or none at all, if they go that route. So not like a fully practicing Jewish person for, for those who like get into the weeds about that stuff. But definitely aware and like identifies herself um as as a jewish woman with a jewish upbringing so like for me my my undergrad degree was coincidentally in german so as i was like figuring out who the the voice actor was and and like putting those pieces together i was like oh god like i literally spent two to four years of my life uh looking at like world war ii propaganda and stuff and and how the imagery was sold of like uh, Jewish people have their hands in everything. They're that's how they control lines of credit and this and that. And you know, be careful because they're like serpents and like literally flyers posted throughout German cities of like pe- snakes and banks kind of political cartoons were were common in the era. So this is an animated form of that, right? Like for yeah, a yeah. good three, four episodes, like the batch was constantly just chilling at the bar with their lizard friend who would give them like some jobs and then ultimately screw them over or not give them enough. And those episodes were just boring too. Those episodes were just, you know, <laughs> That's right, filling yeah. boring episodes. Sorry. Yeah. I just, it was, their little, uh, it was them trying to be like the baby Mandalorian. They're like, look, it's yeah. a kid. It's some odd jobs. They're bounty hunters. Woo. Like, well, they were dumb and they didn't, didn't work. <laughs> It's just stupid. It's stupid when, and it's and it's obvious when when you're you you, you know when they announced that it was 16 episodes, I, I I sort of knew in the back of my mind that you know okay at least 
five, six, seven of these episodes are just going to be throwaway one-time heists or whatever. And mm-hmm. that's yeah. what happened. So, yeah. I, I think the upshot for those was just the intersections they had, right? Like, steal right. the oh, yeah. train. Oh, the Martez sisters. Like, yep. go do this. Oh, look, it's Hera. Like, right. And to- but one of the best episodes was with Hera. And that was the one that had the least amount of Bad Batch in it. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. That's, oh, yeah. man. That, that was a good episode. That was, was a like, good, like, yeah. No, <laughs> like, Sarah and I discussed that too. Of like, that is, I think, my favorite episode of the season. And it's like they're bad batch are in there for five minutes. Yeah, if that, right. Yeah. And it's just but yeah. uh, but with that, there's there's one thing that's brought up on the card that I wanted to just discuss out. So on the card it talks about ableism as well, and how Echo is is not viewed as equal. There are very valid pieces of that. I wanted I want to verify like what what the what clone hub says is very valid there i did find another article that i will be um referencing and i will put that on there of a person who has a disability who discussed not necessarily echo themselves but discussed the group them the bad batch as a whole as they are all disabled and so they they felt that they were better represented of like they saw themselves they could see themselves as i am a disabled person and say tech is disabled because he's genetically different or hunter is disabled and so they're genetically different but they can still do what they want they actually brought up so there is a the the line of when crosshair says echo is no is more machine than man or oh sorry tech says that is more machine than man they actually brought that up as being a positive as it has been brought up is a negative because they said in the original trilogy, when Obi-Wan says like, nope, he's, he's more machine than man, twisted and evil. So it was, it was more of twist going back and retroactively acting on that and making it, he's more machine than man, but he's still good, mm. which is interesting. And I, I thought was a good idea, but I still... And I and it, I think it's very interesting to see the, the the whole Bad Batch as a disabled group, but like I still struggle with their treatment of Echo, for sure. Mm-hmm. There's still problems with that. Yeah, for for me, it like Echo's Echo's treatment boils down at least to to me with his um his skin tone and his shade. Yep. Um, like that for me was something that like even from the trailer I was like hey because for me seeing the arc in the Clone Wars I was like okay whatever that's a really weird reason like oh yeah he was in a fridge for uh, a year or whatever you know people die on Mount Everest all the time and like they don't come back as like translucent sheets of paper like they still have their skin tone and they are frozen up there so like it happens but I was like, whatever, weird Star Wars reason. But in my mind, I just naively thought at the time, like, okay, if the Bad Batch is set sometime later down the road after he has joined them, he's now back with the Republic Army, meaning meals, right? Medical care, uh, the, the whole nine yards versus what the Separatists were doing and just using him as a machine. But like, 
his skin tone never changed. And, you know, the argument was like, oh, that's why he's that's why he's white. Right. Like because he was tortured. And it's like not how torture works, not how melanin works. But at the same time, you're like, whatever, if you want to keep having that argument, fine. But you get to 16 episodes later and this dude is still like like bone white. It's like, are are they not feeding him? Like, what is his situation? Because if you're telling me that his skin was that way because of distress, He's now spent an entire, like, I, I don't know, a couple of months, I guess, post order 66 with these folks and like records well fed, like not none of them look unhealthy. They're definitely not executing missions like they're unhealthy. So it's like, is, is he still being whatever? The other piece is the first few episodes when they were using him as a machine. Yep. Because I felt like, okay, so he's like the droid of the team, right? Every Star Wars team has a droid. He's their droid. But like when he was moving, removing the restraining bolt on the ship and uh and cut and run, um, tech was just constantly in that episode being like, "Oh, you haven't done it yet. You haven't done it yet." And mm-hmm. I was like, "Dang, man! Like, let him work. Like, how long have you had a servo arm and like interface with a computer? Like, I know you have your little fancy calculator there, but like, it is. I imagine tech is like legitimately like feeling a computer on his brain. It is kind of how I make yeah. sense of it mm-hmm. with how integrated." everything is so i'm like it has to be weird like no one can relate to that perhaps a a droid but right and again to me the biggest thing that that kind of teed me off to that as well was in the second episode when they sold him as a droid (laughs) yeah but they but literally they just i either i think it was the episode after that or the like in that episode they had him talk about how terrible it was to be a slave yeah that was the same episode it's the same episode they're like yeah it was in that one and then in the beginning of the next because that the was next with, one, uh, yes, the baby right. rancor and right, he was like the yeah, slavery is like, oh. terrible but then right. literally they they play it off for laughs because there's like i'm worth five i'm worth more than that and i'm just like we're 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 trying to be a serious show here but we're literally and- just selling a guy and saying, yep, play it off his laugh. Oh, I, I'm worth more than that. And marketing it. Like, let's not forget the, the Star yep. Wars account for that week was like, like, oh, you know, some people are priceless. Hashtag the Bad Batch is out now. And it's like, mm-hmm. damn, son, like, you really going to have a, a clone who just joined the team being like, I'm, I'm like a person and I'm worthy of stuff and then being sold off. Uh, and, you know, they, I, again, this is when when these decisions are made they're made from a place of like ease right oh, like, yeah. like hey that's a good laugh that's a good marketing line like whatever let's go with it and let's build on you know the big arc or whatever people are working on that time but it it just cheapens the product it's like if if you're telling us the bad batch are these elite troops like couldn't there have been more than one way besides just outright selling someone and having them fight out Right. Because like Hunter was the math he was doing was that, well, I could probably, you know, once I give the signal, he'll break out and join us wherever right. we are. So it's like it wasn't even like he was going to support him in doing that. Like if he could, he would. But, you know, if the signal went out, he just assumed Echo would get there eventually. And it's just like if you can do all that, then why are you resorting to selling in the first place? Like, could there have been another reason? And maybe that was one more writing meeting that Lucasfilm couldn't schedule. And they're like, we got to move on. But that's that's how these things happen. Like Crosshair calling the 
the only brown troopers that we saw in episode one regs in like such a degrading tone of voice maybe wouldn't have a racist overtone if they just colored him right right like, right like because there was conversations i've had i've grown up around military families and there is very much that culture of like i'm special ops you're whatever sure, sure. Your boots on the ground but in an army of clones there's that subtext gets brought up to the forefront when the dude who's calling them regs is like just very light-skinned and when in the real world like when that episode dropped they were still finding bodies over at fort hood who coincidentally were like brown women brown men black men like and no one had seen them in the military base so it's like it's a weird time to be making that distinction and like you could have softened that blow and still kept the writing you know finesse of it had they just been all like photocopied clones and then you've got crosshair with some like unknown beef of just like the regular troops no, to me, it also just kind of speaks to the lack of creativity because throughout the entire Clone Wars series, you know, we we get to meet Echo and Rex and McGregor and all of these clones and they find ways to distinguish themselves from their brothers. And to me, it just speaks to a lack of creativity that you've got, what, there's four clones, five, four in the Bad Batch, and you can't think of a different way to distinguish these altered clones from their brothers i'm like the fact that they're altered like you can make one super tall make one super short like and you know keep everything else the same it just speaks of no creativity on that front are they recognizing that they're writing themselves into a box by like wanting to follow the clones but i don't know that's also coming from me who's never really resonated with the clones in the clone wars and i knew the bad batch wasn't going to be my jam to begin with no and i and i'd say I don't necessarily think they're deliberately going out of like, let's hurt all these people. But it's again, it's it's they're coming from a place of privilege. They're like, this is easy. Let's do that. This is let's let's work with this. For instance, with the xenophobia in that. I don't remember which episode, but the, the episode where they cast a Asian uh, imperial imperial officer. imperial officer and then she's talking to the to the square. And as she's talking to the square, the the citizens are standing up or whatever. And so she calls in tanks. And I actually found a a website where where I found a a blog on Tumblr that talks about this, of like, this is an Asian guy. And he's like, she is designed to look Chinese. Yeah. Because he's like, she is Chinese. Like there's, there's different Asian dynamics and she is designed to look Chinese. And you are having literally this happen to recreate basically Tiananmen Square and then just the tone deafness of like, this is kind of what's happening now in Taiwan as well. Yeah. And it you're just already like, happened in, uh, it, 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 Myanmar. Like yeah, in, 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 in Myanmar, like that's it. That's what happened there. And now it's happening again in Taiwan. They're trying to just shut everything down. And you're just like, let's, let's, let's build up this yellow scare. Let's build that up. Let's. Yeah. Yeah. Star yeah. Wars has a huge Asian problem of heat like representation not not like but like a huge yeah. problem there but yeah see yeah. see rose tico oh kelly Marie. oh yeah i you know in my head canon i think i feel like raya and the last dragon was disney being like hey yeah yeah about that sorry for those last two movies you did let's just give you some disney princess money a hundred percent that's the vibe i got 
Yeah. Because <laughs> they made a very big deal about like Kelly Marie Tran is. Yes. I, I was like, okay, like y'all didn't care that she was studying Star Destroyer blueprints a few years back, but like, uh, oh my sure, God. You sure want everyone to know her name now. So kudos, I suppose. Ooh, well, I actually, I did really like that movie. I think oh, it's yeah. a pretty good movie. Get but her like, paper. She oh, got yeah. her money. Oh, she got her money. Like, artist, it's a good but movie. But like, yeah. yes, no, it is absolutely them being like, sorry, sorry, don't yeah. don't feel bad. Don't don't get mad at us. I feel like they let her choose a lot of just because like, you know, when you go into it, it's like the directors were um, Southeast Asian, like yeah. the, oh, the yeah. people who handled the lighting engines and everything else, like the representation was there. So they were like, if we're going to do a movie in this space, like this is where we can push the writing, but this is where we need to adhere to like, you know, there are certain norms like they showed. You know, Ryan the Last Dragon did a better job of showing chaos and pain in like yeah. an Asian environment than that Bad Batch episode. But mm -hmm. the Bad Batch is underneath Star Wars and like has this massive amount of resources that they can throw at any situation. And yet, like that happened. Raya, Raya and these unknown directors and stuff that like came together to make this once in a lifetime movie. Um, did a better job at handling that because that's the culture they're from, right? Like right. they can, they can move quicker through that because they grew up in that. But yeah, that's, that's all we're asking for. Like, Hey, just have people like run by these models a little bit who like are either closely aligned with that culture or like are, you know, aware of that culture and know how to move through it. Like the argument about the of tomorrow Morrison sister, like, for the Maori people, like the the dead is something that you don't kind of speak on. And like the way that Western cultures enshrine people and, and honor them by making them something is viewed as like trapping that spirit essentially into that whatever caricature that you've made. So like when people bring that up on, on Twitter, like as I was reading more and, and learning more myself about it, I was like, yeah, it's kind of like intellectually fraught territory because you're you're saying that they should be happy that someone who has passed away in their community has become a a small young girl in a space sci-fi fantasy like it's like that's not that's not even the best thing to be enshrined as it's cool i guess right. but like there's there's better ways to like memorialize someone and whatever their impact was whether it be to that individual person or to you know the culture as a whole so like Okay, if you if that's the trophy you want to give them, then interesting. But there's better things to be than immortalized in Star Wars. Yeah. And the big thing for me as well is, again, it's more, I will say, like the tone deafness. I think there's a lot of tone deafness with the Maori people because not a lot of people know what's going on with them right now. And when this was coming out, especially like, they're still fighting for their own rights. They're still fighting for to be viewed as people. And like the way they talk, while everyone's like, oh, it's just an accent of like Bradley Baker and everything of like, oh, he's just doing an accent and everything. And it's funny. And you're like, the way they talk is viewed by New Zealanders and Australians as derivative and is in a, like, you're like, you're uncultured. And so you're just like, so we're just okay with the white person using that language, using the way that they speak to benefit them and create that power dynamic. But then when they use it themselves, nope, you're bad. You're, you're uncultured. Don't, don't use that. And it's just, it's, there's so much going on with them that 
people don't realize. Like they, I think the the Maori representative in New Zealand was kicked out of of their because they were protesting land rights that were that was happening, and he was literally kicked out of Parliament twice because he started doing a haka dance because they were not being listened to. And it's yeah. just it's frustrating to me. Yeah, it's also like the like native folks and indigenous folks just throughout the world like that is the constant yes. struggle right like bring it back to the voice actors right like yep you know why you have to fly them halfway across the country of the of the country that you know they have legitimate roots that are hundreds of years older than whatever family tree you can pull on the other end of the the equation it's because the u.s government gave them reservations in like these pockets of the country way out of the way yeah. um, we're like yeah this is where you can live now if you still want to like honor your culture or like live the the life that you know your ancestors and that you want your legacy to continue living like that's a choice that we made an enshrined in policy and we're like okay that's what happens and like that is what's happening to the maori people we're like they have land and are like this land is important to us culturally religiously etc and the government is essentially being like well do you have a deed for it can you outbid a buyer for it and imposing these like made up rules which then you know they wring their hands down the road and are like we can't get resources out to where they live because it's you know, it's in this really hard to reach area. And it's like, of course, but they used to have land that was closer to cities and areas that were being developed and you just didn't want to develop their land. So you bought it off them and then turned it into whatever you're going to turn it into. So like, it's this cycle that just, it keeps showing up, but not before they take the good stuff, right? right. Like people oh, yeah. in haka dances in, in pop culture, uh, you know, it, it happens. It's the it's like an Olympic article every four years of like, oh, watch these New Zealanders intimidate their opposition doing a haka dance. So like it happens and we don't we don't celebrate and honor those folks. No, no. Yeah. I also wanted to ask y'all's opinion on because um, for me, I have a little bit of dissonance when I think of Tamora Morrison in The Mandalorian and, and the Bad Batch marketing because um in in the Disney gallery episodes for the second season, they had a segment where Tamora Morrison came on and and spoke about becoming Boba again and, and showing up in the season. And he does have like a whole little aside about they asked him how Boba would fight at this point in his life. And he had mentioned like, oh, I want him to fight like a Maori fighter and have that right. that fire. And like he he mentions the the cultural background behind it. I'm actually drawing a lot on my Māori thing called the haka. Ha is the breath, ka is fire, fire breath. His traditional Māori dance, which is a lot of the spinning of the stick, stomping, the tongue out and everything, and John saw that and he asked me if we could do anything with that style and make it fit. And I think it's fascinating that Disney ran that and was just like, yes, like Tamora Morrison is Maori and Boba fights like a Maorian warrior. It's it's canon. It's in the behind the scenes, like whatever. But they shy away from a show where it could have been five Tamora Morrisons, like jumping around, do, doing all sorts of other stuff. And yeah, for me, I was just like, that always throws me for a loop because I'm like, you literally have fans who love the Mandalorian, like can't get enough of it. And when you dig into it, it's like they let Tamora Morrison be Tamora Morrison in that show that everyone loves. But for the Bad Batch, it's like, it's just crickets. And like, there's no mention of 
of that. Like we, you know, the hashtag has to bring it up of like, hey, these are Maori people. Did you know that? I think there is some of the attitude in the industry as a whole. So I don't want to bin it just on Star Wars, but, in, but the industry as a whole, that being a voice actor in animation gives you more freedom than live action, you know, in terms of, it gives you more freedom in terms of casting choices and blend, you know, blurring those lines and things like that. And, you know, I, I think in certain situations it can empower people, but I think, you know, this show and others has shown that it really doesn't, it hurts more than it quote empowers. So I, I think they're trying to pass it off as it's just animation, but you know, Star Wars animation previously has been very beloved. There's a lot of animated shows out there, you know, shout out to Avatar The Last Airbender that has such a huge following and is so beloved. And you can't just write it off as, well, it's just animation. It's not as as important, air quotes, as live action in terms of representation because it is. So I, I think some of that's coming into play, but that's just my speculation. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we were sort of talking about this a little bit, but if they, you know, if there's been, they've done other films where they would actually bring in, you know, community members or representations of, of different people to help them create the movies they were making. The one that comes to mind is the soul. When they were yeah. making the Pixar movie Soul, they actually brought, I mean, they had groups of, you know, from the black community come in and help them create the actual, you know, create the culture of what it's like yeah. to, to have an accurate representation of what, of what a sort of a day-to-day -day life is uh, in the black community. And I think they could, if they, if they would do that more for, for all of their shows, that would be, you know, that would just have helped so much. Like if they had brought in a group of Maori people to just kind of talk about what their plans were for the Bad Batch and get their opinions on how that might look or what they could do different would have been really beneficial. And right, I think it's just, if you, if you just start having more discussions with the people you're trying to represent rather than just sort of base it on what you think what you think that they'll like or how you, especially when you're not from, you're a white person, essentially, you know, you're just, you don't know. And you're trying to now guess or about what's the best way to represent them and on screen or, or whatever with them, not even being in the same room, you know, that's what I think needs to happen. And I, I agree with both of those. I personally just think it's exploitation. They're, they straight up, they know that they can use that and they can use that for publicity. And so they can say like, hey, we're representing Maori people. Like, look at this cool thing that we're doing. And then they can go off and make the Bad Batch. And the reason I say that the most is because literally there has been radio silence on this. There is no statement. And that to me is more, more damaging than anything else because you could come out and say, we messed up here, guys. We messed up massively and we will change this for season two or we will bring in Maori people and we will talk and we will figure this out. But it is, again, radio silence. 
And I think it go back goes back to Sarah's thing of like it's animation. It doesn't matter. They don't think it's so they're it's it's aimed at kids, air quotes, which I don't think it is, but like it's aimed at kids. <laughs> not when they're not when they're torching civilians on, on screens, <laughs> not yeah. right. It's aimed at kids, so it doesn't really matter. And but for me, like even if it is aimed at kids, it only reinforces stereotypes, it only reinforces things that kids aren't going to know that they're thinking about. But yeah. there again, it's just radio silence. It's we're, they're, they're trying to let it slide under the rug like, oh, OK, there's some yeah. people active on on Twitter. They'll they'll keep talking because, again, and this is why I really wanted you on the podcast and, and stuff like that is most podcasts, Star Wars podcasts I know of are radio silent on this as well. They are they are mm. not mentioning it or if they mention it, they say it in like their show notes and they'll say like, we realize this is an issue and you should do more research of your own. And I'm like, you need to be talking about this right now. You need to be voicing your opinion because this is how Disney changes. Disney does not change if no one talks about it. Yeah. And so that that's my thing is like, I wanted other people on podcasts. I wanted other people because we're a small podcast. And so I, I, I very much know that like, we don't have a ton of sway, but I'm like, even if we don't, we have to voice it because this is just, it needs to be out there. Yeah. I think it's also interesting, like, the things that we're missing out on, like by not having this conversation, is essentially everything that High Republic is, right? It's a collaborative multimedia like initiative. There are no established characters, just like the Bad Bash, right? Just yeah. brand new people. Um, but it's a team of writers. They handle the characters together. They move them as a unit and they all take turns writing and different formats whether it's young adult children comic like they're dabbling in all of it and what does that create it creates a richer product like they're new york times bestsellers every single book that's been eligible has literally premiered in like the top five so it's like they're making money hand over fist and there's very little like literally the parts of the fandom that are complaining about high republic are the same people that in the next tweet complain about Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker or Jar Jar Binks because it's a Tuesday. Like, yep. you know, so it's like this, this is what we could have, right? Like Justina Ireland, Kevin Scott, uh, Charles Soule, like these are different people. Claudia Gray, like there's women, there's men, there's Spanish men, there's black women, there's white women. Like it's a group of people. And when they came to a consensus about what a good story would be, it has literally lit the internet on fire for books. Like we have probably passed out. We passed out online when a picture of a rock came out because oh my everyone, gosh, yeah. Yeah. Like it literally like just star Wars Twitter for an entire month was just like, what everyone's just obsessed about a rock. I don't get it. And that's a book. That's a book, not even 16 episodes of anything. It was, <laughs> we all read the word geode for X amount of pages and we're like, hell yeah, I want that. Yeah, again, to me, it just, it screams of corporate BS and they're trying to walk both lines. And ba basically it, it, this reinforces of like the LGBTQ representation that we reportedly had in Rise of Skywalker of like, hey, we had two girls kiss, but we can easily pull that for any other Eastern review so that they'll put it in the theaters. Yeah. It's yeah. like they're trying to, to to walk the line of like, we're both don't. And I feel you need to hit a point where you decide you decide which direction you want to go. And you say, I don't want your money anymore. 
they're and that's to me where they're going if they're like we want everybody's money so we'll walk all the lines and i'm like you need to decide where you want to be in history and you need to pick are you going to be on the side that represents everyone or are you going to be on the side that only likes their own thing and so that that's my thoughts on it it's like, yeah it's, they're trying to get everybody's money and like you're still going to make boatloads of money if you pick the side that represents everyone because the people that are angry, they're going to be like, I'm so mad. Uh, and like the people who love you, who pick that side are going to be like, we love you. We're going to buy more of your stuff. Yeah. So. Especially kind of in this whole era of the siege of Mandalore, end of the Clone Wars, beginning of the Empire. Everyone keeps harping. You need to pick a side. And so it's just mm -hmm. like, listen to what you're putting out there in the universe. Because when you stay silent, you're complicit with oppression right so it's just like you need to pick a side and it's high, i yeah it it just makes me so frustrated when it's like your characters are telling you what you need to be doing and you can't i think you're just you know to alex's point you're frustrating everyone when you try to toe the lines like if you're trying to produce super progressive content but still please your ultra conservative base like no one's happy no one's gonna be happy which is what Rise of Skywalker was. <laughs> but that's a different podcast. Correct. Yeah. And, 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 and I know people who like that. So like, but, but again, it was just, they just took everything and threw it at a wall. So, but. Yeah. yeah. So. So I have a question for everybody, you know, now that we know that season two is announced, what do you want to see to try to begin to address some of the issues with unwhitewash the bad batch or is it too far gone for any you know is any effort they make gonna fall hollow i mean you could like kind of what we were talking about with echo earlier you could i mean you could have a scene where it's just you know he's he's back to his you know normal coloration and you could even just have a line in there that says like oh finally getting some you know color back in your, or, you know, those treatments or something. I don't know. Just anything, <laughs> anything to like, whatever, just like yeah. you could, you could, you could have them be the, the right color. That's probably kind of sounds bad, but no, they, there is a right okay. color. There's a right and a wrong. All right. No, okay. Yeah, then right. yes. No, All yes. right. So that he could, he could be the right color. You know, and you could just have a, a line like that that just you don't have to probably spend too much time on it, but you could address it. And it would just be it would just be nice to have I'm I'm all for I don't need 16 episodes. Give me give me eight that are that are that's the whole arc of the story. Don't give me any filler episodes, you know, just give me give me a concise planned season with a story that's compelling and and go from there i don't i feel like the 16 episodes just again just to drag it out you know so everyone would keep their keep their disney plus subscriptions for longer yeah because this was right it was it's this and now visions is next so like this was the to hold you off until september yeah but right visions yeah yep 
Yeah, I mean, this is one, this is the same franchise that gave us somehow Palpatine has returned, which like they're doing a really good job of filling in. But, it, you know, if we're looking for ways to write in somehow my skin color came back, like there's a top contender right there because they just straight up were like, it'll be fine. We'll have a comic book series, whatever. Just Palpatine's back. The other thing is like the PR money, just the PR money alone of Disney and what it could do. Like you have people who Disney does not even know by any way, shape or form who are out here like blaming it on lighting tools and it's unreal engines fault and this, that, and the other, like cool. Disney could come out next year and be like, Hey, we're going to try a different engine. You know, we, we heard the complaints. We'll see what we can do with this new engine. And really in the back end, it could just be like, Oh yeah, whatever value we put in there, like, you know, go down four shades or whatever. It could be as simple of a, of a fix as that or whatever they, they do. I don't know that industry and just put out a PR statement and be like, Oh yeah, uh, sorry, wrong engine. We fixed that. And here's season two. Hope you enjoy it. I just, outside of that, from a storytelling perspective, I would love to see season two focusing either more on that clone heritage or like focusing more on figuring out where Boba is. Cause like he would also be a child in this era and like figuring out their life. And like, I could see Hunter being misguided and being like, well, we got to find the other one. Uh, Cause we have Omega. Let's go get alpha and like going through that journey. But yeah, this first season to um, to Ethan's point, like it was just all over the place. So I'm like, I don't know where you want to go next. Like they could show up anywhere. I think a good way to get them their skin tone back is we could open up to season two where they've been stranded on Tatooine for like, I don't know, eight <laughs> months. And they're just like, they had to take their armor off because it was so hot. And now they're all really, really brown. And it's just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Don't bring up Tatooine to Ethan. He hates he hates them going. Hate, he hates Tatooine. I hate Tatooine. <laughs> fair. Give fair. me, give me, well, just you know, give me, you know, new planets. I don't need to go back to Tatooine. I don't need to go back to Kashyyyk, back to Geonosis. Like show me some other planet. On Tatooine. Like I need to, I need to know the story of the like Luke's neighbors. Like exactly, that yes. That woman who asked Ray like who she was, I want to know her family story because she knew that that was the Skywalker Ranch, and like, so it's like they they knew some things, like they saw some stuff, and I I would love for that to just be a sitcom, just them growing mushrooms on their moisture evaporators and uh, talking all this smack about the Skywalker and the Lars family. Yeah. No, for me, again, I don't know if it's a lot of my place as of what is necessary because I'm, I'm a person, I'm not a person of color. So it is not it is what other people need or want. I just feel like they, sh I think the people, people out there deserve some kind of response, some kind of like acknowledgement that they made a mistake. So I will, I will say, I will be very frustrated if next season comes out and they are the, the correct color and they don't mention it. And they just like, just, just switch it. That would frustrate me because I'm like, so you're saying there was a problem, but you're not going to like apologize for your problem. You're just going to pretend it didn't happen. So that that's where I'm at. Like, I would like them to change. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure they could, I don't know, think that they ever would of like, you could go back and just redo like 
change the colors in the first season. But if you don't want to, fine. If you start off new and make them the right colors, I would be okay with this. But you have to do some kind of PR release of like, hey, you know how you were all terrible to the people who were saying these were un- these were whitewashed? Well, those people were right. So you should not be terrible to them. And like, we are sorry. And like, like again, I don't, I don't know exactly. Again, this could be just try to throw money at the solution, but like give some kind of donation to the Maori people. Like, like buy some land for them or or something. It was just like showing that you are listening and that you care about these people, that you are obviously taking their culture and putting it in and using it and making a profit off of it. And so I'm like, at least sort of give back a little like that that's where I would go I, I don't think any of that is necessarily going to happen but that's where I would I would like them to go that would be insane that, like yeah. I would literally pinch myself if I was like wow Disney's just gonna give like four million and then man like they could they could literally like spin off a charity if they wanted to it would be pocket change exactly Here's a foundation. Tomorrow Morrison will be the inaugural chair because he gave us the clone. So we're going to give him a foundation and, you know, whatever, whatever his culture, because like his sister was very involved in like highlighting Maori culture and like making sure people were aware of like what it stood for and what that meant to the people. Yeah. So easy. Literally like people would snap their fingers and send an email and like, that's it. It's done. Their legal team would draft the paperwork and someone would sign it the next morning and be like okay but here we are right here we are arguing about lighting choices yeah so i don't know if i have very much more do you have anything else you'd like to bring up no i think i think that covers a lot if anything i would just want to remind folks listening that the main goal is to essentially point out a mistake and have lucasfilm fix it dave filoni can fix it jennifer corbett like the the whole team we don't care if that team stays the same or if it all changes because if you get a totally different team and still can't get it right we're still going to be here so yeah it's like when when folks are getting into these debates please remember like the goal is not like make heads roll at lucasfilm you know kathleen kennedy needs to go blah blah like none of that it's like this is an error. We are all adults. Here is some research. Figure it out. You, you can hire whatever artist you want. You have unlimited money. Just figure that out. If it means new people, it means new people. If it means education, it means education. We're just asking that it gets fixed. Right. And I, yeah, I very much, I think that's very important to bring out of like, if you like the Bad Batch, that's fine. If you like the story itself, that's fine. We're not saying you should immediately cancel the Bad Batch like, and get rid of it and you are a terrible person or you are a racist for liking it. We, we're not saying that. We're saying it is an error. It is subconscious racism. And so that needs to be changed because our culture needs to be changed. So that's that's what 2020 was all about. Right. It's so frustrating <laughs> to see people like, why do you want to do this? And it's like, did you not? We're, people literally chanted for months about why something like this would be potentially necessary. So, uh, mm, you know, all the Brown clones lost their home at the end of the season. And it was like, Oh man, doesn't that suck? And it's like, that actually happens. The LAPD blew up a fireworks truck, like at the start of the summer and like 
wrecked like a block of a block of houses black yep. neighborhood. And that was deemed safe. Yep. Yeah. So. That, that was just a standard operation routine by, by the empire uh, and their local governors. <laughs> yeah. This is the end for you, my master. All right. That is awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the episode. Uh, where can people find you guys? Yeah, people can find us on Twitter and we have an Instagram now. They are both at Sith D Minutes, like 60, but with Sith. And you can find us anywhere where podcasts can be found. So whether that be Spotify, iTunes, Overcast, you, you name it, we are on it. So just search us there and you'll be able to find all of our episodes and listen to our rantings, mostly on Twitter. There's a lot of ranting on Twitter. Excellent. So same with us. We are slightly different in our, our Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at whoshot one SWPod. You can find us all over the place. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, any of those, wherever you find podcasts. And if you want to get in contact with us, let us know. But from all of us here at Who Shot First and now at Sithy Minutes, never tell us the odds. 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 Never tell me the odds. People are counting on us. The galaxy is counting on us. Solo, we'll figure it out. We'll use the force. That's not how the force works. Oh, really? You're cold? What, what's his name? Uh, Darth Maul again. Apologies. Sam Witwer. I can't remember the name. I think it's like, I'll double check. Uh, so he did, I can go first or anybody else can go first. I feel like I talk a lot. <laughs> no, you're good. Instagram, not Instagram. That's you. Fantastic. Awesome. Good stuff. <laughs>